0: This is a podcast about answering one question. Are you on a journey that matters enough to you? To answer this question, you're going to need to dive right into your middles. I'm obsessed with middles. I've come to think that middles deserve another look. To ensure that you are on a journey that matters enough to you, buckle into that middle seat and let's go on this adventure together. Hashtag welcome aboard. All right, listeners welcome 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 to today's episode I'm so excited to have the one the only Amy Marshall as a guest in today's episode um, let me give you a quick intro on Amy it's a it's a fascinating introduction and then um, and then we'll jump right in um, Amy is the director of nursing of maternal maternal child health at Lennox. Hill Hospital in New York City. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Lenox Hill or New York City, um, it's located on the Upper East Side uh, in Manhattan. And Amy's worked there for, geez, almost eight years now, right? And Lenox Hill is a a pretty prestigious hospital. It's continuously ranked um, in the U.S. News and World Report as one of the best hospitals in the country. And in 2020, it's been ranked for three specialties, and another fun fact is that um, it's been featured in the Netflix documentary titled Lennox Hill. And Amy's department, the OBGYN department, was featured um, in the documentary. And actually, if you don't blink at all, you can see Amy uh, featured in uh, episode nine is actually where they cover COVID. And it's the last episode of the first season of the documentary Lennox Hill. It's a must-watch I've absolutely loved it. And even if you don't love hospitals or you don't love New York, it's, it's hard not to like this. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's trending. And they're actually uh, on board for doing another season, which is fantastic. Um, Amy, every day for the, in the hospital, she oversees over 350 nurses. Um, and prior to working at Lenox Hill, um, Amy was working with Intermountain Healthcare as a NICU nurse. And she did that for almost 10 years. And then uh, for five years, she was a cardio nurse there as well. And then on the academic side, uh, Amy doesn't mess around. She, of course, went to the University of Utah School of Medicine, um, graduated with her bachelor's in nursing, and then went on to study nursing administration at the University of South Alabama's College of Medicine. Um, and graduated with her MSN from there. Yeah. Amy's just crazy good at her job. If you can't tell from these stats, like she, and I think she, I mean, Amy will go on, but she's, uh, she, she's noticed, right? Like she wins awards within the Northwell health uh, community all the time. Uh she's, she genuinely loves leading teams. And I think if we could get have her whole team on the podcast today, I think they could speak <laughs> uh, for quite a while about just uh, Amy's leadership. And so I, it's a pleasure. Amy, welcome to the podcast. I'm so pumped to have you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That was a nice introduction. Thank
0: you. well, it's not it's not hard to do. So, as we talked about before, Amy, I'm really curious about middles. That's what we do on this podcast, right? We talk about, are, are we on a journey that matters enough to us really? And, um, and we talk about the significance of middles uh, because middles are so separate from the beginning and the endings because it's, uh, it's where all the mess shows up. And as I've interviewed people and done research on middles, I found that there are four common themes to every middle um, that really can create personal transformation uh, within us. And here are the themes, which I know we've talked about. Number one, middles always include an unknown. Number two, middles are always unexpected. Number three, middles are very, very much uh, unwanted by most people. And when you put all those things together, middles are messy. They're just messy. And so I wanted to discuss COVID in this episode because uh, it's it's the it's the largest global middle that i've ever lived through in my lifetime and as you know and we know we all know it's not over it's not even close to over uh it's very much a middle and so um because you are in new york city and you were right at the right on the uh right on <laughs> the forefront of this hitting the nation um just your perspective and your view is i believe so valuable so thank you for being willing to share
1: Yes. Thank you. I think COVID is a perfect example of middles. Um, and it has been unwanted, unexpected and messy.
0: Yep. Yep. Exactly. And you were, ex- you were experiencing it and mm-hmm. we all are live in real time. So I don't know, Amy, start from the beginning. I mean, I know that there's unknowns. I know that um, you've been working with a lot of senior leadership and managing all these nurses, um, but kind of, is it okay if we start in March? Can you like kind of take us through yeah, what happened? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, I think March, the interesting thing was we were all watching what was going on in Italy. We were watching what's going on in China. And I remember having a conversation with some friends saying, oh, I'm not worried about COVID. It's like the flu. It's going to come. Um, it will affect just the elderly population. They'll, they'll It'll be like the flu. Everything's going to be fine. I don't know why we're in panic. And I remember a friend of mine was in full apocalyptic preparation. She really? was stalking, yeah, stalking her apartment, getting everything ready and said, if it hits, the first day it hits New York, I'm leaving the city and going to my parents' home and waited out there. And at wow. the time I was like, wow. oh, you're overreacting big time. We're going to be fine. Yeah. It's going to be fine. And then it hit. Wow. And I was not, I just feel like we were not prepared for it even though we were watching it or I was not prepared for it. I shouldn't speak for it everyone, but I was not prepared for it. Mm. But before it really, right when it did hit, mm-hmm. I sent my kids um, to their grandparents, actually, to my two kids, my middle and my Yeah. Youngest. How many kids do you have, Amy? Remind us. I have three. So my oldest stayed here in the city. She's 21. Okay. My 19-year-old and my nine-year-old left the day school, they um, closed school in New York.
0: Got it. Okay.
1: And I okay. thought, oh, they'll be gone a couple weeks, a month at the most. Sorry. And then they were they've been they're still gone, actually. What? They're coming home in a yeah, they're coming home in a couple weeks. But it was a very unexpected length of time that I would never have guessed
0: they would have been gone for months. Just so you have so um, you have you have this friend that's like hyper preparing, right? Like freaking out and you're you're going, I love you so much, but you you probably should calm down. And then it hits and then you realize, wow, she might not as not she maybe wasn't as crazy as I thought Mm -hmm. she was in terms of her reaction. Okay. Yeah.
1: So as soon as the first patient came to the hospital and the first case in New York City, we really started preparing for what was happening. We had been preparing, I shouldn't say that, we had been preparing as a hospital. We had stocked PPE and gotten ready in some ways, but not, I don't think we would have ever guessed the effect that it would have had and um, how big this was going to be. So as soon as we had our first patient, we had a big leadership meeting. And actually, it's the first meeting that they show in the Netflix episode. And we're sitting there. We're all...
0: I, remember, I feel like I was there because of the show.
1: Yeah. But we were in our normal like, business clothes, dress suits, right. no mask on. And then right. when we go back and look at it now, we're like, oh my gosh, that was before <laughs> we, we started only wearing scrubs. We right. um, started masking for everything. Like you almost don't even remember that time. <laughs> but we wow. started... Wow. Really prepping for it daily. We had daily leadership meetings like what you saw on Netflix twice a day with all of senior leadership. And we went over everything that was happening in the hospital, everything that was happening in the city, everything that was happening around the country. And really the medical care, how many patients we had and where we were going to put the next wave of patients.
0: What about supplies? And, like did you, and what did we you went have? over
1: the supplies. We, we luckily had enough PPE through the whole thing. We never, we never ran out. We always knew exactly how much we had personal protective equipment. It was the, what you saw all over the news and social media, I think, where it was like New York hospitals do not have any PPE. The nurses are Mm. unsafe. Mm -hmm. And I think there were hospitals that ran out, but it the N95 mask, the surgical mask, the um, gowns, those plastic yellow gowns that you see, and eye shields.
0: What about ventilators?
1: We had plenty of ventilators. We never had out it. of ventilators.
0: Okay. Luckily,
1: we had brought some in before, bought some before this, kind of in preparation. So okay. we did do preparation, but um, we kind of, our CEO said every day, we're kind of staying one inch ahead of this is how it felt. We right. would build ICUs in 24 hours. We took, moved everything out of the hospital that could be moved out of the hospital okay. and made more ICUs for these really sick patients. It seemed like the only patients that were coming in for a very long time were COVID patients. Okay.
0: Okay. We had a got few, it.
1: but it was very, we kept one unit that was non COVID.
0: So you that, turned, the
1: hospital was filled.
0: You turned the whole hospital into an ICU.
1: Basically, we had step down. When they would get better, they would go to step down, but we turned it in. I mean, it was almost exclusively COVID, wow, which was pretty much hours. the same as all the hospitals in the city. We were not any different than everyone else. When we would talk to other hospitals, everyone was pretty much doing the same. And Long Island, that was, they were hit really hard. They even moved out their maternity out of their hospital and turned those beds into COVID beds. And Bronx and Queens, they were hit harder than the city and
0: Mm -hmm. they could
1: not keep up. I'm sure you saw it on the news. I was going to say, they
0: got a lot of news coverage.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was really
0: bad. Mm. And
1: they would, we would, take some of the patients that we could and try and help out, um, with what we could with these patients, but they were coming in faster than they could even handle the patients.
0: So, so tell me, Amy, what, um, let's just talk about the patients for a minute, right? I mean, what were they, what was that experience like? I, I know you'd mentioned one of the biggest challenges to treating patients is that you were treating something that you hadn't yet fully understood. And that's I, like I, an I, understatement, right? You were, you were trying to figure out w- what it was and then treat it, right?
1: Right, right. And just even if we looked just at my service line, which was maternity, which had mm-hmm. very few COVID patients in comparison to Thank the rest goodness. of the hospital. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. It changed from the start of this to the end of this, how we handled it, how we, what, even the PPE we wore changed throughout it. And I said- mm. All the time we said, you know, this is live. We are dealing with something that is live. We're Mm -hmm. learning and treating at the same time. And it made it very challenging to kind of be fluid and everyone to understand that, you know, it's changing for everyone. And I think that's what's caused a lot of mistrust around the country. But Uh um, because things have changed. But I think, you know, things have changed as we've learned more. But I um, would help cover the ICUs in the hospital and the other floors. And I remember rounding in the ICUs, the COVID ICUs and the nurses would tell me just stories and stories and stories of these patients. And they're the sad things that they were going through. They would tell me about the patients. We had husbands and wives that were had to be separated and were too sick to (gasps) even be around each other, to acknowledge each other. We (sighs) had husbands and wives that died or, um, yeah, just, um,
0: we're, yeah, we had more. Young yeah, Amy, people yeah, tell me about I, the age. Tell me about the ages of these patients. Do you remember
1: majority that passed away? I believe were um, older, but we had, you know, there were several that were close to my age, and I'm in my 40s. And I, we had, a I have a colleague that passed away that was my age. Just there was a lot more young people than I would have imagined when this started in March.
0: Because you had mentioned, uh, you know, when we talked earlier, you know, you'd said, "Mala, this was." These were the, this was a quote from you. So tell me if you agree with it. You said, you know, these are the sickest patients I've that that you had ever seen in your career. Yeah, that's
1: what, yeah. And every ICU nurse that I talked to said the same thing. These are the sickest patients I have ever taken care of. They just, it was sad. They were so sick. I, in a hospital, when someone's not doing well, they call a code overhead. Uh It was constantly being called. And my nurses and the nurses I would round on would say to me, um, it gets so depressing. There's no hope. It's just, it feels like it's just someone's dying constantly. And one of the hardest days I think in the hospital was the day the portable morgue showed up. And it <laughs> plan, on a,
0: plan on a lot of people not even understanding New York City with trucks and, and funeral homes and like just, yeah.
1: Yeah. It was so overwhelming to the city in general. The funeral homes could not keep up with the death toll and um, taking care of these patients that had passed away in every hospital in the city had a refrigerated 18 wheel huge truck come somewhere on the property to um use as a morgue until they could kind of get caught up with everything that was going on so in the you hospital. remember
0: this pulling up in front of what what street are you on yeah it, we're on Seventy Seventh. It came That's... to the back of the
1: hospital It's this big white refrigerated <sighs> truck and I um the day it pulled up, it was you were walking from down the hall that went out that back door and just remember distinctly thinking, you can't see outside anymore. It just kinda covered the sun. There was no more light coming into the hospital. It was such a
0: sad day. Was this the second truck? I mean how many trucks eventually
1: We eventually and... had two. We had to okay, bring to a two. second
0: one. I remember you telling me that you had hoped that the funeral the funeral homes could handle the caseload, right? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. you remember when the 18-wheel truck pulled up, and then you remember when a second one pulled up, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Okay, so, to, yeah, and, and the sun, mm-hmm. it blocked the sun, which I would be so depressed. I mean, wh- how do people react to that? I
1: think, overall, it was a very hard day for everyone. Both times that the trucks came, it's a very stark reality of what's going on and a visual mm-hmm. reminder constantly mm-hmm. that – um, just of the pure numbers of people who were passing away. Yeah. So I, the hospital at that time just felt from the nursing, from all of us, it was just hopeless, is what the nurses would tell me. And it, and it did. It just felt like there were so many sad things. It was sad. It was sad to walk in the hospital. It was, um, there were a lot of positive things and good stories, but overall it just kind of felt hopeless. And um, mm. towards the middle of all this, when a patient would st- get better, when they would be able to um, extubate the patient or the patient would go home that had uh-huh. COVID, uh-huh. we started playing Here Comes the Sun over the loudspeaker. Really? Uh, yeah. And the first day that wow. we did it, third, uh-huh. it got played 32 times. And I was on the unit with the nurses. Oh. And they said to me, at the end of the day, this changed everything for them. It went from feeling hopeless and wow. death and dying and hearing the codes constantly to knowing that people are getting better. And you know, they weren't working on those units, but just oh. to hear that song over and over all day. And it played for months over and over. And it just brought, every oh. single time, it brought a little bit of hope and sunshine.
0: Oh, can you imagine the Beatles knowing that? Yeah. Oh, you know, know what I mean? From their work. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, it changed. It sounds like a culture change happened every time that that music would come on, right? Because it brought yeah. hope. Because it just sounds like, I mean, I wasn't there, right? But it just sounds beyond heavy,
1: just yeah, it was.
0: quicksand heavy. And every yeah. time you, you tried to to get out of it, right? it's code blue, is what you call mm-hmm. them, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I wish I could have had been there for that moment with the, with the music coming on, right?
1: Oh, it was amazing. We have yeah. a couple. I have a couple of videos of the nurses. Every time it get played, they would just stop and dance. And
0: really? It was just like of course because yeah, New yes, York nurses are yes. awesome.
1: Yes. It just was like a little bit of joy, little moments of joy throughout the day.
0: Yeah, because I remember, Amy, you told me you know, one one day you said an entire floor. I don't know if this was in a day. Not in a day. An entire floor passed away.
1: Pretty much everyone, eventually all the patients. It was one of um, the managers is really struggling still emotionally and had been really struggling. And she just had said to me, we pretty much lost all of my patients over this amount of time. Um, and hers was the sickest. It was the kind of chronic sickest, but that plays such a heavy toll on the nurses and the manager and everyone in the hospital to just have so much loss. Right.
0: Right. I mean, and it's no wonder why, you know, this is, this is not a, this is a middle, this is a middle. I mean, yeah, I like that you, you're connected to that. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I think about all of the, you know, from other doctors that I've met in New York and other, you know, across the country, this idea that the patients, one of the saddest things for me is that the patients were so alone. Like they didn't have family. Yeah. I remember someone telling me, hey, you know, I have their, I have to FaceTime them. This is like not part of my my job description, but I sat there and I spent half my day FaceTiming their families. Yeah.
1: Is that true? Yeah, we had nurse. Yes, we had nurses that that was their entire job for the day. We called them um, nurse liaisons, and their job was to be a liaison between the patient and the family wow. because we couldn't have visitors come into the hospital just because of, you know, the numbers and how um, many COVID patients there were. Uh-huh. So the nurses would, um, we gave them iPhones, and we gave them iPads, and they would sit in the room. They would get PPE, put PPE on. Mm -hmm. all gowned up and go in and hold the patient's hand and call the family. And we got a lot of letters from families saying that that was made the biggest difference to them and how much they appreciated these nurses that would call them every day and give them an update and let them see their loved one. We -hmm. had patients that passed away a lot, as we just talked about, without family. So we would FaceTime if we could. We would FaceTime the family to say goodbye, the nurses or the physicians. We had a lot of physicians that would sit in the room and hold their hand while they passed. No, I just think that's probably one of the saddest parts of this is that mm. they had to be there alone.
0: You're in OBGYN, right? I, I remember when mm-hmm. this law was reversed in New York, but you know, this the law of not letting a support person be in the room during labor and delivery. Right. right. So what happened never, then? What was that about?
1: That was an interesting time. We most of the hospitals around me had said no support people in labor and delivery just to align with the rest of the hospital and felt like it was too risky. And you know, mm-hmm. every time someone's in the hospital that's a support person or a visitor, it's not just a risk to them, it's a risk to the staff because we don't know if they have covid and mm-hmm. so we're trying to minimize exposure both ways. We need to keep our staff as healthy as possible so that they can continue to care for these patients and keep them safe but and also keep the community as safe as possible. Right. But a lot of hospitals <sighs> said no more support person labor and delivery and I met right. with the director of labor and the physician director of labor and delivery and him and I have a great relationship. And I just said, I really don't want to go. I don't want to do it. I don't want to say no to the support person. And he agreed with me and we both just kind of took a firm stand that we weren't going to. And we got, oh. some of our team did not agree with us. I
0: love you so much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So I could see a division there within, with, mm-hmm. within the hospital. Sure. And then what happened? Yeah.
1: We, we had calls every day just to go over everything that was going on. And every day right. someone would push, I think we better not have visitors come in. I think the support person needs to stay home. And really it's out of concern for the doctors, the nurses, you know, for everyone. It's not coming from a bad place, but I just felt so strongly that that support person has the right to be there, that this, the um, laboring mom needs a support person. And especially in this scary, scary time. And we it was quickly reversed. Actually, there was an order from Mm. um, the governor.
0: It was Cuomo. It was Cuomo. Yeah, yeah, it was
1: Cuomo saying the support person can come. There was a huge petition that was signed by hundreds of thousands of people demanding that the support person could stay. So Mm. that was Mm -hmm. reversed and all the other hospitals um, had to let it. But it was such an interesting time. It became, I felt like for me, it became such a big, hot topic. It kind of overshadowed everything else for
0: a few days. <laughs> sure. Sure. I mean, it's your world and you've uh, delivered three children, right? And I'm uh, I'm on my way there. I'm seven months long. So I can't imagine, I cannot imagine uh, my support person, will call him, uh, not being able to come <laughs> in. I honestly can't All imagine right. that. And I just, I mean, I just, I'm listening to you and I'm just... It's this is such it's just a mess. It's a mess. Like March, April, May, June. And it's there's no end in sight. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I mean, I remember right. when we were talking, you said, Mala, we 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 pulled up the numbers every morning and every evening. Mm-hmm. Right. And you'd see you, yep. you'd see the plateaus, right? And then then it would peak. And I know that yep. now you finally got to the point where you've hit the plateau and it's, it's been going down ever since. But I just, yeah. it's such a terrifying disease from what I've learned about it, right? Because um, it, everything shuts down. Like the blood clotting, the, the lungs can shut down, the kidneys can shut down, the all mm-hmm. these different areas of the body can shut down. So it just seems like a really, it just a nightmare and that's putting it mildly. Would you agree? Am I, am I? It's, it oh, sounds yeah. really scary, just really, really it, scary.
1: It is really scary. And then we have people yeah. who are asymptomatic and have no symptoms. And then we have yeah. people who have mild symptoms. And then obviously they're very, very sick. But I have, you know, one of my um, colleagues had it and didn't have very many symptoms, very mild, stayed home. Oh, so scary. Um, you had no idea. She had no idea. she had no idea. She had a little bit of symptoms, but not many. She was able to manage it at home. She was Okay. And then she had it in early early on in the pandemic. And just this past couple of weeks, all of a sudden is having arrhythmias and um, had to go in to see a cardiologist. And they said they're seeing a lot of this now, that patients who had COVID are now having arrhythmias or lung problems. So we don't even know yet you, all the complications.
0: Are you pretty close to this colleague?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she's
0: young, young. Like what? I mean, give us a broad age range. Like 30. Oh, oh my word. And asymptomatic, that makes sense, right? Because that's what we've heard yep. about like yep. the younger. Anyway, talk to us about the strands, the three strands that we're seeing. And three well, is the number, right?
1: That's um, the last thing that I read. And like I said, everything changes
0: oh, all oh, the time. Right. So mm-hmm. um,
1: if, you know, at this time, what I had, the last I had read, and I'm not sure if this is Exactly. But there um, there were three strands they were talking about, the Italy strand, the China strand, and then what they're calling the Houston strand that they believe is more contagious but less deadly, which is what's currently happening. And they believe we um, New York had the Italy strand, which was deadly.
0: Okay, so... Middle, 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 middle. There's all the yeah. unwanted, right? The death tolls unwanted. The not having family members come in is unwanted. The, the number of cases is, is unwanted. The feeling of hopelessness is unwanted. So many unexpected, especially if we started from, hey, this will be the, like the flu, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: just completely unexpected um, and so much unknown so much unknown. So truly like checking off every middle box there is. Um, I have to say from an outsider's perspective that New York's done such an incredible job on a global scale of surviving this, um, and getting yeah. through it. And, um, I call, I think that whenever we go through a middle, uh, whether we're conscious of it or not, we create survival aids for ourselves Right. And like on a tiny mm-hmm. little scale, it could be candy or Diet Coke, right? Or something like this. Or but it right. on, on, yes. yeah. on a massive survival, yes. Yeah. It on a massive scale. what well, we need to do an episode on just Diet Coke, I think. And just candy. Yes. Something like that. And then on a massive you know, on a on a deeper scale, right? It's it's family members, it's journaling, it's all this mm-hmm. self-care work, it's the meditation, it's the yoga, it's doing everything we can. But um, just talk to me about the survival aids that you saw either New York City or Mm -hmm. Lenox Hill, the hospital, um, go to. Like what? What did you lean on? I know about the seven p.m. seven p.m. cheer. I think a lot of people do, but you know, we want to feel feel like where we were there. So, but yeah, just walk us through. Like, how did you guys survive this? I think there were all these little middle moments, which you've kind of walked through so beautifully because middles are really moments, 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 moments. Yeah. Like the first yeah. death or the first ICU being built in twenty four hours or the first time they played Here Comes the Sun or the first mm-hmm. code day of Code Blues. Consistent. It's all these moments that stick in our. Stick in our memories for life, right? But how did how right. did you make it through the moments? How did you survive them?
1: Well, I think the community was huge for me and for the um, my colleagues and people I work with. New York City really came together and supported the healthcare workers in a way that I've never seen and felt. I um, we would get thank you letters and cards from children and community members, and we still have them taped up all over the hospital. It fills. Um, of course so many do. walls of the hospital that just handwritten notes or um, kids that would color pictures and just say thank you. And we had um, a really great photographer that was on the Upper East Side that would come to the 7 p.m. chair and take amazing photographs of the nurses. Voluntarily? At the chair, yes. And send wow. all the photos and we have them all over wow. the hospital just what? taped up. And they're beautiful and they're capturing of such course. beautiful moments and scary wow, moments. Um, right.
0: Those are the moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Each of the units have taped them up of their staff and they're in their PPE and they're in their scrubs and they're out at the chair and just these moments. They captured it really beautifully. He captured it really beautifully. Stunning, stunning.
0: I love that. I mean, we're talking department w- departmental walls filled up with, yes. with letters, yeah. right? Even like a cafeteria, yeah. for example, right? Yes, like it's cafeteria. like. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love and it the, so much.
1: By the elevator, there's letters. It's the nursing office has letters. It's just they're everywhere. The community also fed the nurses every day throughout the whole pandemic for months. Someone really, would send in
0: like lunch. like yes. breakfast, lunch. Okay, okay, lunch. Yep. Like, wow. Yeah, lunch Incredible.
1: or dinner, and Incredible. sometimes
0: breakfast. Incredible.
1: Really, yeah, amazing. Restaurants would send in huge amounts of food. We had um, different people around the country and a lot of New Yorkers that would send in breakfast for different departments or lunch for different departments. We got um, so many great companies reached out and did so many kind things. We had nurses got clothes and socks and um, lotions and things to really, yeah, just help them get through all of this. It was, It was amazing, just the community itself and the 7 p.m. cheer every single time I
0: was out there. I got teary and all of us. Walk us through it. Like pretend no one's heard of this. Like tell us how this goes.
1: At 7 p.m. every single night throughout this whole thing, the entire city would clap and ring bells and bang pots and pans and stick their head out of windows. And we had people playing instruments by my apartment. Someone played the tuba every single night for months. (laughs) We yeah, we had an opera so singer neat. who would open her window and sing Wow um, on the upper west side and you could hear yes, it was just amazing. That's I mean, incredible. For how long? How long how... it it lasted for several minutes every single night, like six oh, minutes, five minutes, oh, seven minutes word. by the hospital, the fire department would come and um the entire hospital, the entire area would actually come out to the street instead of just the windows and just wow. clap the And the nurses would come outside. I only oh. was at the hospital a few times, but the nurses would come out and the whole community would come out and just cheer and clap and, um, seeing, we had people that would sing for them. And it was, it gave everyone just this sense of hope and pride and support really to get through mm-hmm. this. I think it, changed the way you feel about your job and about coming in and Mm -hmm. how much people rely on you and count on you and are grateful for you.
0: Have you ever felt, I mean, have you ever felt that much gratitude or that much love or you fill in the blank of the words as as a as your as a nurse? Your role, have you ever felt that?
1: No, Mm. I've been a nurse, you know, over 20 years and no, I've never I've always loved my job. I've loved my permission profession. It's um, mm-hmm. been ranked like the most trusted profession for years. I think there's always been a sense of hmm. it's a noble profession. It's a trusted profession, but this just was completely something wow. I've never experienced and felt.
0: Wow. Well, yeah. How did you feel?
1: Oh, it. The, I remember the first time that I went out and kind of heard it and realized what was going on. I was with Mike and I just got teary like just to feel that support and love it it's overwhelming actually
0: it's a hard episode to not can to not (laughs) it's heavy and then you hear about the 7 p.m cheer and you you're filled with hope I mean it's just a. it's so moving to me like this whole experience is so moving to me um and I can't imagine I how, you know, New York all of a sudden, you know, nurses became heroes, right? And doctors yeah. became heroes. But just having that word associated with what you do on a daily basis and in your middle to be acknowledged uh, for what it takes um is is so powerful uh to me. Uh it's really It
1: is powerful. It's, yeah it was just amazing. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: yeah you know, I would see, it was just really neat to see like signs of like nurses being heroes, nurses are heroes, Nurses like finally, right? Like (laughs) just getting to finally getting the recognition that we all, I think kind of know, uh, should be there right about, about the job. And I don't know. I mean, I guess this is a good, thank you. Thank you. So Amy, thanks. Like the survival aids, I think (laughs) are so, so important to understand, right? Because Middles, I mean, middles, at least in my experience and why I love talking with people about them is because the depth, the place you go to in a middle is unlike a part of yourself you've ever seen. Like if you really get into it, and I kind of want to go into this is just like, how did this, what was the impact of all this on you? You know, like what was an average day or like when you went home? I mean yeah you can use all the feeling words you want right it's just how and I'm guessing that you felt pride and felt exhausted and felt thrilled and anxious yeah. and I mean I don't know just yeah. let's let's yeah. segue into like the impacts it's it's had on you if you're open to that I, well
1: I think yes I think you're exactly right it's this mix of emotions every single day and it's exhausting and emotionally exhausting and I like I think everyone else you we got through it and we did it and it's kind of now that I've had more, um, feelings of this, um, like soul searching now that it's over. And I was talking to one of my colleagues, just saying, I'm kind of struggling right now with this, where do I go from here? And, you know, do I still love my job as much as I did before all this happened? And he said to me, Amy, everyone I know is going through the same thing right now. It's kind of coming down off of COVID. We're all trying to figure out kind of where we go from here. And I think now we've all had time to also process it a little bit. And you're on this incredible high getting ready and in the middle of it and surviving. And now it's kind of the letdown of everything in some ways. It's Mm. just this like trying to rebalance and kind of where, how do you get back to normal when nothing will ever be quite the same? But the daily basis, I.
0: How do you get back to normal when nothing will ever be the same? Like, what is yeah. normal? No, what is normal? I love that. I'm going to quote that, right? What does normal mean anymore? And what is right. normal? What did normal ever mean? Right. But it's just, right. what, is, what does it mean now? Like, what is that? It's a... Uh, well, and we're in
1: this funny time where nothing, you're right, and nothing is normal right now.
0: That's that's a middle. Because it's, it, it's it's yeah. there's, there's so much uncertainty and so much lack of order translated into what we know as chaos. Uh, with no ending in sight. I think everybody at this point in time thought, oh, yeah, like this will, you know, this th- maybe, m- I mean, I remember a few people were like, well, maybe this will last till, you know, the end of the year. But I think for right. most of us, we thought, oh, well, by by the end of the summer, like the schools will open. Like it should be back to like normal schools, you know, that's kind of thing. But yeah, 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 you're asking these 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 big questions, but I'm so glad they had uh, mental health e- experts uh, on site for everybody, because I yeah, just, yeah. you know what I mean. Because there's so much processing, I, I feel like, uh, especially when we chatted earlier, it's like I'm still processing this, Mala. You know, I'm I'm in I'm yeah. in it. I'm in it. I'm so in it. So what are the questions? Yeah, you talked about uncertainty. Like I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, and should I even be in New York City? And uh, you talked about yeah. all the leaders are really. It's hitting the leaders now. Like and you're going ah like I need a, I need a mental break like mm-hmm. the letdown of this because you were in full on go mode for most of COVID. I mean you're oversee almost 400 people, so you couldn't really right. take a break. You couldn't process everything. There was no option for that full on survival mode. Um, and the letdowns so real, right? And that mm-hmm. yeah, like I mean I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. And yeah, right. I don't. And I you you were saying like I don't even. I mean, you love the NICU. The NICU is your home base. It's like I, you are, you're mm-hmm. obsessed with the NICU, but you're like, I don't, yeah. it, I don't even want to go in there. Like, and I'm still a good person, but like, I don't want to go in there. I mean, talk to me about that.
1: Well, I was talking to actually the manager of the NICU, and she's, we're all, everyone's kind of struggling right now. And I was just saying how I had talked to this colleague, and he had said, everyone, and she, we were kind of talking about the emotional side right now, currently, that we're all kind of going through. And she, said the same thing is I'm struggling um I'm struggling with my everyday job right now trying to understand right you know where to go from here and how to how to um get back to normal when there's no normal mm-hmm. and what what mm-hmm. does the future look like and yep. Um, yep with so many unknowns and and the strain this has had on the hospital what is the future of the hospital's in general,
0: yeah. What is going on with the hospitals? I know there was a huge financial strain on hospitals, but like, what's twenty twenty one looking like? Like, what what's that?
1: Yeah. Well, it's going to be very interesting. You know, I wonder what the budget will look like and what um, consequences there there will be long term from the financial or in the next probably not long term, but in the next year or two, what that's going to look like. We've heard of health systems and hospitals around the country that have had to lay off nurses. Um, because of the financial strain. We have not, thankfully, had to do that, but it's going to be an interesting 2021. And then we're in full prep for the second wave.
0: wave. Yeah, tell me about that. it,
1: Yes. And even thinking about having to do this again, I think is just really hard to even process. So we're trying to put together all the planning and um, getting ready for a second wave if it hits, so that we're not one inch ahead, but we're uh, ready to go and ahead of all of this. And it's really hard to even talk about. Yeah, we don't even have
0: to-, to talk about it right now. <laughs> don't worry. I mean, I just think, yeah, like this idea. Of- yeah, thankfully. I know that there are job freezes, right? And there were open positions that are now closed. Um, And so mm-hmm. it's interesting, right? Because you have the 7 p.m. cheer, which. You- you'll never forget for the rest of your life. And I love that the other parts of the country are trying to, trying to do it, you know, a little bit, which is pretty cool. But yeah, yeah, you're going, wait a minute. Like there's, I can't go on vacation. I can't leave New York city. I guess, uh, Vermont's open, Maine's open, but like, like I'm mentally Mm -hmm. exhausted. That's about it for you, right? right There's a huge expense. There's this huge amount of stress. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of moms, yourself included, are going, well, what am I going to do for this school year? Like, and I know this hybrid model is being introduced, right? It's like half, you know, half live and then half uh, online. And But, you know, a lot of nurses are going, hey, this would work if there was a nanny. And so, just Mm -hmm. so forget COVID for a second or the actual being in the hospital, but all of the logistics that we just talked about and just the realities we talked about, I'm imagining causes a tremendous amount of stress. And then you're supposed to talk about the second wave, which I'm going, how in the world do you do that?
1: (laughs) Right. Right now, there's a lot of, yes, no, it's perfect. We, there's a lot of discussion right now. And the schools, obviously, I think it's on everyone's mind. I, Mm-hmm. we talk about it a lot. The nurses are talking about it. I'm thinking about it constantly. Like you said, I have a wow. child who's going to be wow. in fifth grade and, um, you know, how is this going to work for my life? I'm um, a single mom in the city. So trying to navigate that and my, um, she's not even back in the city yet. She's coming back at the end of the month and it's been, she's been gone since March, which is mm-hmm. a very long mm-hmm. time. So I'm really ready for her to come back. I have seen
0: her in so long. A lot of unknowns. Uh, right? So, I mean, I'm just I imagining know. that, I don't know. I mean, I don't think you know uh, that, you know, you love New York, but I always say to people, like, cities are fun when it's a green light and, it, and they're on, right? When you have Broadway, it all speaks yeah. New York language. Like when you have the Broadway and uh, the Met open and, you know, the ballet open and all the amazing restaurants, all the things, right? But when – It's a red light. All of a sudden you go, cities? (laughs) Like are they as fun? So I'm I'm imagining you feel pretty stuck, Right. right? Everything we
1: love about the
0: city is closed. Yeah. Yeah.
1: With the hopes that it'll open back up.
0: Well, okay, so let's talk about, let's let's kind of go here, uh, kind of to wrap things up, right? It's going, okay, here I am. I mean, this is a, you'll never, well, never say never, right? But you never imagined in March that you'd be discussing this with me in August, right? And it's, this has forever changed right, your life right. and forever changed your perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and that's kind of how middles go, right? And it's not going, oh, like sign me up for COVID phase one again, but um there's such significant learning, right? So we're at the end of this one, but someone else is in one. It, it, that's kind of how middles go. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess, Amy, like what, what role did middles play um, in this COVID experience? Like what would you say? And if you say, Hey, I, we kind of answered that question too. So let's, let's go to that one. Uh, and then I'll ask you the next one.
1: Um, let's see. I, I, I feel like we're kind of, I'm kind of at the middle now, is probably where other people were at months ago with this. Now, where do we go from here? I, like you said, it was kind of go, go, go for so long. And now we currently have very few COVID patients. The hospital pretty much has no COVID patients. And now it's how do we get back to normal Mm -hmm. when there is no normal? And am I doing the right thing? And I'm bringing my fifth yeah. grader back from the suburbs where she's mm-hmm. loved being throughout all this and being able to be with family and cousins and having fun and now coming back to an
0: mm-hmm. isolated
1: apartment. Um, and
0: right. we're not sure
1: right. what's going to happen with school yet. Hopefully it's the hybrid model, but yeah, yeah. Where do we go from here now?
0: Right. So big, big, big questions, yeah. but I love that. Um, they all, they're all valuable. They all need to be processed, right? So, okay. So if you were just going to say, if somebody said, Amy, top three, top three to five things that your middles have taught you. I think
1: the importance mm-hmm. of support and having a support around you and just to have someone to process this and go through this with and talk about it with, I think hope, having hope made it. Such an impact to go through such a period of time with no hope and then to start seeing hope. I think that was talked about a lot from the team, just how it kind of changed everything.
0: The importance of hope and the role it can play. Okay. What else? I think
1: fe- flexibility. I think we had to make such quick changes constantly based on what was happening in the hospital and in the city and in the world. That we couldn't, you can't plan. You can't say, this is what I'm going to be doing. Everything kind of paused. So you have to be able to bend in the direction that it's going and not just get stuck, but to be able to keep moving in a direction that you never saw coming. I love it. I
0: love it. I love it. I love it. Right? So you're going, middles have taught me, number one, support is non-negotiable. You've got to have it. Right? Uh, number two, yeah. um, hope. <laughs> do what you do. Whoever you are, wherever you are on the planet, to access that for you, and I think about that, Amy, going huh, like right now, like what what could, what should I be doing to strengthen that muscle within myself, um, and to strengthen kind of the tools or resources that I use to generate that within myself, um, faith for me being one of them, mm-hmm. um, and then this importance of learning how to flex. Um, and learning the power in being mm-hmm. flexible um, amidst the chaos, right? And the lack of order and all of the uncertainty. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah.
1: Right. And learning uh-huh. from where you're at, trying to real learn time, what's going on. As you said
0: in the beginning, right?
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. And make changes. To shift.
0: Uh, anything else there uh, yeah. that middles, you'd say, oh, no, this is n- forever uh, in me now as a result of March through June. July in New York City at Lenox Hill? Well, I think
1: any middle, we hope to come out a better person. So hopefully, we're all coming out of this a better person, a different person, you know, not doing everything the same that we did before this happened. That there's a little more kindness in all of us, a little more patience, um, a little bit more awareness of our community and the needs around us.
0: It's really powerful to go, you know, um, I'm in the middle of book writing and uh, doing these do, you know cranking out these chapters and what's really interesting is I uh kind of learning how to map these and uh and really manage them is realizing that the middle is it, we start uh, dealing with the middle as individuals always it's just how it is like ourselves right what I'm realizing is the more middle experience we get the more we realize that it's it's a it we start to broaden um if you think of a circle right and we're the center right we're the nucleus of the circle um it, mm-hmm. when you really get the value of them you start realizing that you you naturally start broadening out that's the 7 pm chair to me right because people go oh no it's mm-hmm. it's about yeah it, I it's love it. But it's about so much more, like the value add from understanding more kindness, right? From understanding what the what my family needs or what my community needs. That the fulfillment, the meaning, the depth in that is so much more rich. Uh, <laughs> it's richer. It's deeper than we ever get on the individual level. Is what I'm finding uh, when I talk to people. I, it's rare when people won't say middles have taught me about, sure, community or others and realizing it's not just about me, which is okay if it's about you because we all experience the middles, but you realize this is, this is a community, this is a communal affair here, right? Amy, where do you, where have you gone to, I'll just go through these four, but and you've answered the fourth, right? But where, where have you gone for support in all this?
1: Luckily, I have Mike here. Um who's been such a support to me. I think he's been a support to the hospital and the community and really.
0: Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Relationship then has been a support. Yes. Awesome.
1: And um, picked me up from work every day for months. Then he would ask me, what was the most frustrating thing that happened today? And what are you most proud of today every day? And just to be able to talk about the different things that had happened and go through my feelings with him of, you know, it right. has been such a hard day or this was such a hopeful day or I'm so proud of this and the things that happened. That Wait, tell me those questions me.
0: again. T- tell the audience those questions again. What, what were, were they? Two? He asked me,
1: what was the most frustrating part of your day and what are you the most proud of today?
0: most frustrating part of your day and what are you most proud of today? Okay. So support for you definitely has been relationship, which is beautiful yes. and powerful. Yeah. Um, and definitely changes the nature of a relationship, doesn't it? Deepens yes. it in ways you can't see. That's beautiful. Okay. So that was one place you went to for support. Where else did you go to for support? Um, my faith, and God,
1: sure. definitely support and peace beautiful. and comfort. You know, work for powerful. me my, was a big support having colleagues that were all in this together. It's definitely a support. And then my family was a huge support as far as watching my kids and making sure that they Ah. were okay and taking care of them was huge. And they were having such a good time and didn't want to come home to New York in the middle of all of this, which Mm -hmm. made it so much easier for me to leave them and um, knowing that they were having a good time and that they were happy and they were okay. And I could, I think
0: yeah. Yeah. I oh I, I Amy, I love I love that you mentioned your family, right? Because I think um support comes in so many I think we need support in so many different uh different forms of it, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's emotional support, there's physical support, there's uh there's actually just logistical support. Right. And so I think of my family or I think of my friends or and they all kind of like I have I have my emotional go-tos, mm-hmm. right? I have yep. my logistical go-tos. I have my like kind of mental health go-tos. It's it's and, and I just think support comes in all these different forms. And as you rattle this off, I'm like, oh yeah, check, 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 check. Right. That matters. Where'd you go to for hope? Or it could be everything you just rattled off, because I could see you going there. Yeah. Well, no, I
1: think that was the hope, especially at the time. But the community support actually gave me a lot of hope and this feeling of mm um, New York the, city. Yeah. The, you know, the hope in the humanity of, and the city and community. And there was a lot of hope.
0: I think, uh, when New York shows up, uh, <laughs> you really get that. Yeah. And, and you get that a lot more when I hear it, when I listen to you or when you've experienced living there, um, more so than you can on, on a news feed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's it's easy to watch from afar going, oh, wow, I'm so glad I'm not in New York right now. I'm so glad. Oh, my word. I can't <laughs> believe. Right? Yes. But how interesting that that is what you mentioned. Number two, second thing your middles have taught you. And there it is uh, on loudspeaker that the community of New York, ironically, or not so ironically, provided hope. Yeah. Um, I think that's... Incredible, incredible, incredible. And where did you go to for flexibility or, uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. Where did you go to for that?
1: I Well, I think it was all the above. It's the uh-huh. family. It was, um, you know, relationship. It's your um, faith. I think it's all of it is being able right. to say, okay, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we're going to get through today and keep going.
0: Then and- you do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it makes, it makes total sense. Oh, these are such good answers. You're on it. I love it. And uh, none of this is scripted, everyone, right? These are, I know, like, I know. Just, <laughs> we're all just trying to figure this out. And that's what makes middles cool, right? It's, it's like, no, no, no. And you, you sit back and process even for a minute and you go, oh, no, I've learned. I've learned I never will forget this, right? And um, right. that's why that's why they're so powerful. Last question uh regarding journeys. Yeah. Um we always ask this question to any guest on the podcast, which is um how would you answer? Like what advice would you give to someone who's trying to answer the question, am I on a journey that matters enough to me? Am I on a journey that matters enough to me? Um and notice um we're making the assumption that most listeners of this podcast are on a journey that matters somewhat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's the enough piece. Right? How do you get there?
1: Thinking has been the last week. We get through this where everything is go go go, and you feel um, in the thick of it. And every day you're making a difference. To we're trying to get back to normal, and so right now it's is my journey. Now, does it matter mm. enough now that this is kind of. Mm we're coming down from it, um, which I do think it does. I love my job. I love what I do. It's just going through this, you know, trying to figure this out again of how do we get back to, or how, what adjustments do we make now that we've been through this? Not, not getting back to normal, because I don't think it will ever get back to normal, but what does it look like now? And trying to navigate that.
0: That's so, thank you for being so honest about it because the advice I'm getting from just your answer is, uh, number one, um, keep asking that question. Uh, Number two, there is no, I guess, slam dunk uh, to this, this is my journey and it matters enough and it will always be this way to me. Um, It may change over time. Right It may change as we grow, it may change as we experience middle after middle after middle um so that's one piece of advice that I didn't expect to hear, which is um don't don't think that it's a fixed answer um even if it would be really a, a whole lot easier if it was a fixed answer. Imagine. You don't have to think about that no, anymore. Like this is Very my journey strange. and it matters enough. Beautiful. I mean, can you imagine, Amy, would you did you would you ever have pictured yourself in August of 2020 asking, like thinking that the journey you were on and you just went through COVID mm-hmm. <laughs> that you'd be <laughs> asking, is the journey I'm on right now matter enough? Cause as an outside observer, we're going, uh, like wh- I need to get a new job. I need to like change my major. I'm not doing enough. I need to be better. And this woman just saved lives. It's like <laughs> and you're asking you're asking yourself that question. So I'm I'm just thinking, you know, I don't uh Like me and some of my friends go, oh man, we should, we should have majored in something else and like been helping the world. And then here you are going, am I, am I on a journey that matters enough? And I'm like, yes, yes, you are. What do you need? What validation do you need to know that? You know what I mean?
1: Um, yes, I know. I, I'm getting through it actually. It's been, um, I'm definitely getting through it where I'm feeling, yes, it definitely matters enough. Everything matters. You know, my job matters enough.
0: Yeah. And I love it. I love that. I love I'm going to go with the advice of never stop asking that question and don't assume that it will just be fixed no matter what middle you go through. Um, is that, is that fair? Am I I getting it? I think you framed it perfectly. That's awesome. That's awesome. Amy, thank you so much. Like, thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing all the things going into detail um I think that um our audience and our get- like will be so appreciative of uh, this van- this vantage point that we just couldn't see any other way. I know where we can find you on the next Lennox Hill documentary. I mean, you know, on season 2. <laughs> is there any other place like we can find you on LinkedIn or the Lennox Hill website or like is there any other people have questions about nursing or are you open to taking them? I mean, of course.
1: Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn.
0: Perfect. Okay, cool. So Amy Marshall, everybody, Amy Marshall, just, just LinkedIn that and um, you'll learn all about Amy and um, send her a LinkedIn message or whatever it is. And Amy is as nice in real life as she <laughs> is on this podcast. So that's pretty cool. Uh-
1: well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs>
0: <Like always. laughs> well, go rest up. Continue down the middle. You are truly, Amy, you've really changed my perspective of healthcare. I've actually been through quite a healthcare journey this decade that I never anticipated in my life. And um I have to say that the nurses are the ones that have made the biggest impact on me um, because they're the most high touch, yeah. right? They're the one, they're the most constant point of contact that I run into and they make all the difference. And so you've always been a hero now more so than ever given this middle that, that we're globally experiencing. So thank, thank you. Thank Keep doing you. the work. Yes. All right. all right, Amy, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the conversation, please, please, please rate and review the show on either the Apple podcast app or or wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps people find this show faster and easier. Also, as a textbook extrovert, I would love to hear what you think. Tell me what's working for you, what's not, and what you'd like to hear more of. DM me on Instagram at, at @mala_greywall. Again, that's at Mala Graywall, M-A-L-A-G-R-E-W-A-L on Instagram. Thanks for listening.